Welcome to this edition of the Million Dollar Mastermind Podcast. This is where we pick the brains of high achievers from all walks of life and get their hard-earned, real-world insights on winning. I'm your host, Larry Wydell. One of the reasons it's so hard early on, you start with an idea, passion, a vision, and then there's nobody else to do anything but you. And so you get in there and you have to get bogged down into the nuts and bolts because there's nobody else there. But the quicker, the great thing about that is you learn the nuts and bolts of the business. But the quicker is you can get the, the, the wheels turning and get some profitability in there and start to add some staff to free yourself up from some of the repetitive function type things you can you actually progress to where you actually are the surgeon in the hospital. You know, you do have people admit them, wheel them into the room, wash them up, take them down to, you know, surgery. You know, you have nurses waiting on you, but that you have to do it step by step. But it should be a goal to get to the point where you can rise above, you know, like they said, Walt Disney in the uh the uh ladder, you know, when it was his most productive phase of his life, he had all these different departments and he he, he described himself as like a bee going from one department, one building to another, uh, right. picking up ideas and everything, and then going over there and dropping the pollen, you know, and the other areas, and then taking that inspiration and just keeping everybody cross-pollinated, but as the, the visionary. But he could only do that because he had quality people running things once he left, you know, and went left from this place and went over to the other one. And as you... Uh, but let's just talk in the beginning where you get started. How do you how do you even get traction uh, in getting into when did you get the idea that YouTube was something you'd be interested in? Um, so when I was eight, uh, so YouTube did not exist. It was the 80s. Um, it, but I, I started to see content for the first time. I watched I went to the movie theater with my uncles and they should, should we went to uh, Empire Strikes Back. And so. I'm like, oh man, this is like so amazing. And the way I felt, and I'm like, I want to do something with movies or videos or TV. And and that's kind of where it started. And then uh, the next couple of years, there was uh, some very disruptive uh, ad campaigns. One was Wendy's Where's the Beef? Yeah. Um, that was like so funny, so amazing. I literally saved up for a VCR so I could record the, the ads. I thought they were that funny. <laughs> And, um, and then we had, uh, Fred, the baker, it was Dunkin' Donuts, um, you know, ad campaign that hit. And then, uh, prior, uh, that next year, um, is when Wrigley Scott came out with the, the Apple, uh, 1984 Macintosh, com- uh, uh, commercial on the Super Bowl. Right. And I'm like, I just want to make Super Bowl commercials. Uh, that's all I wanted to do. And I got really obsessed with it. And then when I was in high school, uh, got way into sketch comedy for Saturday Night Live. And I loved those. And I, my, my affinity was for the, the parody ads. I uh, love that. Phil Hartman did a great job of a lot of those, um, those ads. But um, the thing was, is I, like, I just thought I was going to make Super Bowl commercials. Um, and, and then I started there and I'm like, oh, no, I like, I like, I want to make content that people will talk about. And so, uh, when I discovered YouTube in 2005, um, I just saw it as an opportunity, uh, to create content that people would talk about. And, and as it got more popular, I just saw more opportunity, um, and it became the vehicle. And, and, uh, when you really look at it, 
Um, it's all about you know making impact and having people um, find value in your content and then want to share it with someone. And that's the biggest compliment. And 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 ultimately, that's how it all started uh, for me. Is uh, I, I got on the journey, got in early, and then uh, saw the opportunity. And it was like in line with kind of my passion and love. And I was able to amplify it. And that's where um, I just became hyper-obsessed to be the best at understanding YouTube and understanding the algorithm because uh, I wanted my content to really be seen. And once I realized... How did you oh, figure that? How did you originally go about figuring that out and unraveling that? So my um, when I started my agency, it was in 1999, um, I was building websites um, and then also getting them to rank in directories. So that was my my forte. And then I started a hosting company. And so I, I did those things. And so I was always trying to manipulate search results. And then when Google uh, got introduced in 99 and it started to get some traction in 2000, 2001, that that's where you know all the internet traffic was, and so it was like, how do I get uh, um, you know search results to come up uh, for my clients? And I had a lot of a lot of clients, and so I was working very specifically on how to manipulate um, the page or whatever to find some exploit or whatever to get it to rank higher. And I was always just fighting with um, Google, like I was literally fighting with Google and. The um, I wrote this in my book too, but it was like the anti-spam czar. His name's Matt Cutts. He was over at Google. He, I used to put him on a dartboard. I, I, he's my worst enemy. He's my nemesis because like he'd always have some update that would just derank, devalue all the hard work that I did. And I was getting paid, and I had clients freaking out. And that was that was you know he was causing a lot of issues and stress in my life. And it wasn't until I um, went to a conference and. Um, this is one that dealt with uh, Google partners. And so it was Google put it on. And I just said, look, I'm going to go learn from the people that make Google to understand Google's vision because that will help me do my job, right? And I was sitting there and who gets up on stage is my nemesis, Matt Cutts. You know? And I'm like, oh, man. You know? And I'm like ready to disconnect. But then he shared with the audience the vision that Google has. Okay. Remember, vision. Right. And I'm like, I walked away from that and I'm like, why try to find a hacker and exploit? Why don't I just get in line with their vision? Like, I just need to understand what they're doing and what they, what they prioritize. And I'm going to go all in. So fast forward, um, you know, it was probably six months and I discovered Craigslist. Um, and I was on Craigslist getting a desk and they were promoting a new website called YouTube. And so I got on YouTube, thought, okay, this is great. I'm going to, I'm going to go all in. I noticed that you can actually embed videos on websites. I'm going to upsell all my clients, make some easy money. going to go produce 865 videos and we're going to get that because that's like the future. And it, 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 it happened. And then come, come next year, Google, uh, purchased YouTube for $1.65 billion. And and then they became a part of Google. So YouTube was a part of Google. And do you know what magically happened in 2007? um, You know, uh, with all those videos that I made for on websites, it was on YouTube. They all started to outperform my website rankings for the website. I had video rankings in the search engine results. 
And I'm like, this is what YouTube wants. They just bought it. Um, they want to feature, they want more people on YouTube and they're going to send a lot of traffic to it. So I'm going to sell all my clients that I have for websites and I'm going to focus just on ranking videos on Google. And that's what I did. And um, getting in line with that, I just was trying to stay on top what Google wanted and providing them you know, some content that they would love to get in front of more people. And that's where it started. It got more hyper-focused in 2012 because um, YouTube went from a view-based metric to an AI, artificial intelligence controlling right. it. And then that was game over for me. And that, that's when I literally wrote the YouTube formula. So like the YouTube formula, like yeah. that, that's when it came about. Cause it's like, once you understand people, that's all YouTube's looking at and how people respond to content. And, and then you can leverage it in, in a unique way. So from about 2012, um, you know, I, I, I probably had a couple hundred million video views at that time. And that's when it just went to billions. Like, like we just crossed 88 billion uh, video views just on, on YouTube alone. So, and when you say numbers like that, <laughs> it's a lot bigger than the Super Bowl, Larry. Just lay yeah. down. <laughs> it's just, it's just, uh, 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 hard to, uh, wrap your head around, but all you can do is keep on keeping on, you know what I'm saying? Just, yeah. You know, somebody likes you and, uh, <laughs> it means, it means that somebody likes you and, yep. uh, <laughs> talk about what you, as you went on. So would you say the biggest frustration you had because in every, you know, everybody's journey, they have things that, you know, setbacks, they've got things that frustrate them, things they've got to over, overcome, you know, makes you better, makes you tougher. Was, you know, figuring Google out, figuring those rankings, uh, that sounds like that was a big long-term source of frustration. And you said, but that's what is like fighting the system. You know, when I, I'm thinking John Mellencamp, I fought the law and the law won. You yeah. know, it's just like, uh, you know, you can fight Google, but try and hack them, but it's better better to uh, find out what they're after and get on the same highway and stay in the middle of the road too. You know, it's yeah. just like, don't, you know, some people, they want to see where's the edges, you know, let's play. Yeah. the No, why don't get in the middle of the road? You know, it's like people will say, how, you know, how close to the edge of the Grand Canyon can I get without falling in? And my answer to that is a mile or two away. <laughs> <laughs> You yep. don't want to be close. Wrong question. You know, that, that's what they'll do is they'll say, Daryl, I'm sure you've heard, well, what's the minimum I have to do? Is that yeah. wrong question? Wrong question. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that response or that question specifically. But um my my um process, I might be wired differently um than most. I think most people uh can get frustrated when they don't succeed. Um, I just don't think that I process that. I don't, I don't get frustrated at all. I'm like, okay, well, that's the wrong way to do it. Right. Right. What can I learn from that? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I do a process, what I call plan, execute, analyze, and adjust. It's a scientific process, but it's the more I need to analyze what worked, what didn't work and why. And I, I want to just make very small tweaks because I, I do believe that you make small tweaks, then you can measure it. Um, and, and then once you understand what works and what doesn't work, then do more that works and do less that doesn't work. And, and then really find out why, why, why is that? And let me, I'll give you a perfect example of this. So, um, our, our model right now is we find YouTubers that we like, um, we go and buy into their company. So we'll give them capital resources and help them scale. 
And then we were a, a, you know, a, a partner of the whole business, not just the YouTube channel. And um, when, when we were going through and I had this uh, YouTuber that's been editing his own videos and, and I says, well, I, I, I still want you to edit. I'm going to just upload and I'm going to just start understanding the audience better. And that's, that's what I need to do. And about uh, three months into it, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to um, have our team edit and we're going to do it differently. And you're probably not going to like it. And anyway, so we get the edit and it was, um, it was different than any other edit. And at that time, his average retention was about 62% of the people that started finished the video, which is pretty good for, for a YouTube yeah. channel. Uh, we did the edit and he didn't like it. He goes, I trust you. Like I partnered with you. Like, I just, I don't see it. I don't understand what you're trying to do here. I don't think my audience is going to like it. And I says, well, we analyze the audience well enough that I think I have a pretty good idea of who they are. This, this is the best reflection of what they want. And we put it out there and Larry, it got 92.6% of the people that started it finished the video. That's amazing. And it, That's and it had well over a million views. And I went back to him and I says, we can replicate this. Like, let me tell you why they like it. And then I broke it down and I showed him the comments and I showed the engagement and he goes, I get it. And, and it took a little while. It took about six months uh, for him to fully get what I was saying. Because on the surface, he goes, I get it. But it wasn't until six months later of really implementing it and seeing the data and seeing it increase. Um, that that he was able to grow, and so you know he's well over you know two million subscribers now, and hun, you know hun, like he's almost at a billion video views himself on the channel. So it's really? uh, the, the and the reality is it's just it's really going through the process of analyzing and adjusting. So it's like creating your plan, you know, you execute on the plan, but analyze. Did it work? Did it not work? Why didn't it work? Why did that work? You know, what could we have done better? What is our average? You know, you're giving all these questions there. And then they're like, what do we need to adjust that one little thing just to improve by 1%? It, right. And and doing that, that leads to uh, success on YouTube for sure. So, For those of you who are sick and tired of fooling around and are dead serious about wanting to move up fast, I've got something especially for you. I've combined the best insights from over 40 years in business and making $70 million in income and compress them into a free webinar. That's right. It's a free resource. If you want to find out exactly what the concepts are that I use in coaching million dollar earners, register now at widelonwinning.com. You'll discover the five-part framework used by so many to reach their financial, personal, and professional goals. You can find that link in this episode's show notes. And uh, so many people misunderstand that and they, they'll hear a new idea and they'll throw everything out and run and chase the new idea. Yeah. And the deal is like, well, the other program was working Somewhat, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> why why, why did we throw it all away? You yeah, yeah. spent many years getting that in place. And so, uh, uh, so that, that's it, a big pet peeve that I have is that, and there's another pet peeve that I have is um, someone that expects to win on YouTube and they're like, but I need someone else to do it for me. Like, yeah. like if you're a creator, you need to create. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're the one that needs to be the one 
that is passionate enough to know exactly what that audience wants. And if it's not, then don't do YouTube. Like, like stay away from it. Because like, if you think that done for you is going to work, you know, where somebody else is going to come up with the ideas and, and you're going to shoot the videos, you're not going to be passionate about it. <laughs> you're not. You'll be passionate about if you're actively involved in creating the content. You'll be passionate about getting excited at your first 100 views and getting people commenting and seeing value in your content. You know, that's that's what the trigger. And so I've dealt with so many and they're like, hey, I'll just write a blank check. Just do it for me. I'm like, blank check doesn't matter. It's never going to do it. And like, fine. Like, you'll be frustrated with it because you're not taking ownership of it. And so well, I think it's a misunderstanding. Also, it's a misunderstanding of how, you know, like how many iterations of the iPhone are we on now? 18, 19, 20. I mean, it's, you know, you've got to move, improve it step by step. That's how you get to, you know, you sharpen a knife. Yep. <laughs> you know, one, one thing at a time, you can have a grindstone, but you still got to get on the grindstone. And so the deal is that I used to, to tell our managers on the way of us, look, I said, all you got to do is, you know, know your numbers, look at the numbers and, and decide. Where, where's the bottleneck? You know, where are things slow, you know, compared to everything else and go fix that. Cause all yeah. you got to do is, it, you know, you don't have to go to the moon this month. You just have to grow over last month. And if you keep growing 1%, guess what? The end of the year, you know, it's going to be astronomical. You'll probably have a 30% or hundred percent growth month yeah. somewhere in there along the way and you'll keep growing, but they don't have that mentality. But uh, the the idea of not having shortcuts and not having confidence in that is really not knowing what to measure. I think for a lot of people, they don't know what drives the business, and they they haven't ever figured out what is the metric they need to or metrics they need to focus on. But but you've got to be measuring. Well, let's just let's just cut right to the chase. Then let's figure out the metrics that they need to do it. It's it's very simple. It's it's no different in business than in YouTube. It's not. There needs to be value. The, the viewer needs to see value enough to click on a video and stay on it. And it needs to be valuable enough because their time, they might want to have something else. And so you got to figure out that value proposition. Uh, from a business side, there needs to be value. Like if there's a right. problem, there needs to be a solution. That's the value proposition, right? And so yeah. at the end of the day, that's what I measure is um, like, how can we increase the value for that one person watching the video? Yeah. The one person that's just barely discovering the video for the first time, what is that value? Can we clearly define that value for them? And is it easy to understand and more importantly, easy to share? And if you do that same in business, it's like, okay, what is the value? Well, we're a services. Well, what is the value of being a service? Let's, like, let's start breaking that down. Or we have a product. Okay, great. What's the value of the product? Because if you can break that down, then you're able to explain it simply what the value prop is and people can use it. And as they do it, they're like, oh my gosh, where's this product been or the service been my whole life? And what's the first thing that they want to do, Larry? They want to tell the world. <laughs> they want yeah. to share. And like, like, there you go. There's your, there's your feedback loop, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So the thing is now you've had a lot of, uh, you've, you've had a lot of successful projects and uh, one was the, when you get something as out of your scope of what you've normally done, like The Chosen, the movie The Chosen, uh, is, did you, is that, how do you go about that? Did that, did you work on that like a three year thing? Uh, some of these things, it seems like they're so overwhelming or so, so nebulous when you get the idea. It takes a long time of, of 
working on them, you know, chiseling down before they start to emerge. And then you can start putting some timetables and, you know, seeing how it would go. How did that, how did that evolve in your mind? Yeah. yeah. So um, content. And by the way, the chosen has had, it, it, it broke the all time crowdfunding record in film and television with a funding total of 40 million. And uh, I don't know how many, somewhere in here, I have all the views and everything. <laughs> it's, it's up there for sure. Yeah. So let me, let me kind of explain this. Um, for me, um, it's, it's like aligning myself with projects that I'm passionate about. So yeah. I'm a believer. I grew up um, in, a, in a very religious home. I put my life on pause and went and served uh, because I believe so much in this Jesus Christ. And so... For me, I'm passionate about God and family and and freedom and you know all this stuff uh, is like intercombined. So any project that would help elevate the awareness of my passion, I'm I'm going to be attracted to it. And so right. I I actually put on a conference every year for the biggest YouTubers on the planet. It's called uh, Vid Summit, and uh, someone showed me a short film that this guy made for his church, and I just got it. I go, this is really good stuff. Like it's really, really depth. It's really deep. And I got introduced to him and he shared his vision for the TV show. And I'm like, I'm all in. Like, like, like I felt like I can build an audience around your content. I could literally use the skills that I learned on YouTube to get people aware of the project and your vision of what you want to do. Cause we're going to sell your vision and, and then we can raise money. And so we, we ended up doing uh, our kind of our origin story video of talking about what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. And, and the whole specifics of the problems and what this is going to solve. Yeah. And that broke the all time crowd crowdfunding record. And we were able to, to do that in, in, in a way where we could get it produced. So here's the thing you asked about timelines. Like, Larry, there's no point of having a dream if you don't put a time on it. Yeah. And for me, it was, could we, because it was a very complicated process, but could we in three years be, um, be able to fund and produce and promote and market a TV show about Jesus Christ season one? That was my three-year goal. And my the next three-year goal after that was, can we replicate that and get season two made? And then season three. And um, we're now uh, five and a half years uh, since I started that journey. We're in season three. We just finished season three. We go into production of season four just in a few weeks. And so um, now there's so much uh, water under the bridge that we can talk about every little detail. But but ultimately, uh, you know, I found a partner that we partnered up on the business that we had the same vision. And uh, the first vision was to create this TV show. Do you want to know what the second vision was once this TV show was created, Larry? I sure do. We want a billion people to see an authentic Jesus. We want a billion people seeing the Jesus that's portrayed in The Chosen. And I am obsessed with that. Not a billion views. Billion views is easy. Billion people. And so that is our goal. That is our focus. And in three years, we're going to hit it. Like We will literally hit it. Um, Now, there that is in God's hands and we're going to yeah. do our best, but we're on the momentum right now to do it. It's crazy. We, we've, we've, uh, we've literally disrupted the industry. Um, we've even released a TV show in movie theaters and we got number one in the box office. Not once, not twice, yeah. but three times. <laughs> wow. 
And it's, so. it's we got we got some momentum going, so which is great. And and you have to publicize yourself because the media is not going to pick up that story and run with it. Uh, I don't I don't believe. But B- believe it or not, believe it or not, they too. did. They did. Um, yeah. And it, it was very small, and it was very sporadic, and it was very niche. Yeah. Uh, New York Times, Atlantic, The Economist, uh, you know, the Business Today. I mean, I can give you all USA Today, um, Good Morning America. We're we're getting big coverage now, and the reason why is is we have an amazing audience that loves our, our vision. And and that's always a story. Um, do you want to know my proudest moment of of? I mean, this is like one of the proudest moments I have in press. Okay. Um, we no, this is no exaggeration. We 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 were putting on a very difficult shoot during COVID, and TMZ says we want to do a story on the chosen, and we're like, oh, TMZ, they're going to destroy us. But yeah. we're not w- willing to shy away. We'll we'll go amplify because right. that might get one or two other people aware of the project. It was a positive piece from TMZ. You got to be kidding! Who, who gets a positive piece from TMZ? <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I'd never seen it done before. I'm like, okay, check. Like that's God works miracles right there. It was a positive yeah. piece. Thanks for listening to the Million Dollar Mastermind. If you felt there were any valuable takeaways from this episode, please take a minute and leave us a five star review. Your feedback is important and really helps us get the word out to a wider audience. Remember, we have a valuable webinar that is absolutely free. Register for it right now at whitealamwinning.com. Thanks for listening.